0: Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, March 21st, 2021, the fifth Sunday of Lent. Thank you for listening this week, and if you would like to view the service in its entirety, please go to our Facebook or YouTube page by following one of the links in the podcast notes. Also, we would like to invite you to please support our ministry here at Beach Grove through your tithes and offerings. We have both online and physical giving opportunities, and we encourage you to reach out to us if you have any questions about giving. You can contact us by emailing us at office at beachgroveumc.org, calling our office at 757-538-8353, or you can message us on our Facebook page. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. This week's scripture message comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray, Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word for us this day, we would go grow closer in love with your Son, our Savior. Amen. You know, as I read this passage and preparation for this sermon, I wondered very quickly, what it would, well, I would say my first thought when I read this passage was I wonder what it would look like for us to really embody that last verse, right? That's the one that stands out to me the most when I read this passage. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sins no more. No, when I was a youth, I spent the better part of my high school years wrestling with what it meant to know God. You see, when I was uh, in middle school, I, well, so I'll say I grew up in the church. I, I never knew a time when uh, I wasn't brought to church on Sunday morning. I was an active participant in, in youth group from the time I was in sixth grade until I graduated from high school. Um, I served on all sorts of church committees throughout my time and tenure as a layperson in the church. But you know, I felt a very big sense of complacency in my faith when I was in middle school. And then, my transition from middle school to high school, I had this epiphany of sorts that really made me aware of how little I actually knew God. And therefore, it left me wrestling with this very ideal of what does it mean to know God? You see, I knew of God, but I didn't know God. I had taken my faith in general for granted. You see, I had been told what to believe and never went on to form my own understandings of what it actually meant to know God. My relationship with God in my youth was very superficial. It was not that the teaching was bad, I don't want to say that, I loved all of my Sunday school teachers, and I feel they are the reason that I stand here before you today, but there was just something about that relationship. I, was never, I had never been challenged, or even challenged myself, to truly encounter who God really was, and what it meant to follow that ideal laid out in this scripture passage, to know God. Well, you see, once I started wrestling, I began to uncover things that challenged my faith and began to form my personal relationship with God. This story may sound familiar to many of us who have grown up in the faith. I think so often in our contemporary church, we have turned God into a communal experience. And and that's not to say a communal experience of God is a bad thing, but I think I have observed in my life in the church That we only experience God in a church setting. And all that we know about God is the work that is done right here in community, whether done in worship or Bible study. And sometimes, I think we take for granted, the nature in which our faith is a personal experience with God. The community is often dictated about who God is, and persons are never encouraged to that personal experience or personal knowledge. We have become a people who feel more called to unite behind what we believe, rather than who we believe in. And in that, we forget the basic point of what our faith is meant to be. Now, you may consider this an argument of semantics, but I think that this passage shows us very deeply that that is not true. It shows us what this covenant of faith is meant to look like. So now we are beginning to wind down this series, Covenant and the Cross, and we have reached the portion of this series in which we are uh, beginning to set our sights on the final days and hours of Jesus. And on Monday, Thursday, we will explore this new covenant and what it looks like. But before we get there, we have this one final experience of Old Testament covenant that will point us in that direction. To this point in our series, we have looked at somewhat worded covenants that entail this two-party understanding as we have talked about. And as I said last week, God promises and God and humans fulfill these covenants. We began with God's promise to Noah and creation, that God is in the business of creating and not destroying, and God seeks seeks to share grace and love across creation. By being reminded of the promise, of that promise not to destroy. And then in the Abrahamic covenant, we saw God's promise to generations of humanity. As we, looked at the, at, and, and as we looked at that covenant, we understood that God's grace is always and will be with us no matter where we go. As we looked at the commonly understood Ten Commandments, we began to unpack the order of God's covenant. And how it guides us in a life of moral living that exemplifies love of God and love of neighbor. And last week we encountered God's promise of healing. And our narrative of turning and relying on God in times of pain and suffering. You see, in each of these covenants made in the Old Testament, we have explored the nature of God they revealed to us. And understood the context in which these covenants were made. And it is here that I want to reiterate again that these covenants were made to the Israelite people, just like the covenants in front of us today. We may be quick in reading this text to immediately jump ourselves to the connection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But before we get there, I want us to pause and to look at the nation of Israel and what was happening in this time. Because when we understand that, We begin to look at the nature of God, and we begin to understand even more the role that Jesus plays in our lives. Yes, this passage definitely, we can see, points us to Christ. But for the Israelite people in the time of Jeremiah, it meant something completely different. You see, this section of Jeremiah is meant to be a promise to a people who are in exile, who are seeking and desiring To return to their homeland, yes, but even deeper, to a people who feel so divorced from God, as they are divorced from their land that God had promised them. The faults and sins of the Israelite people are on display throughout the Hebrew Scriptures. And if we look at the Israelite people before exile, that is before this time when the Babylonian empire comes in and conquers the Israelite nation and forces them from their homelands, we see a people who took their faith in God for granted. However, in exile, when their perceived connection with God was destroyed, and they were forced out of the land that God had promised them, they had a crisis of faith. When we read through historical narratives of this time frame in the Israelite tradition, we see a difficulty of them. They cannot feel or connect with their God. Exile, we see was this hard time where they seemed utterly lost without connection to land, the temple, the Ark of the Covenant. And it is in this light that God sends the prophets, that God sends a word through the prophet Jeremiah and writes of a new covenant. This covenant comes out of God's observations that the old covenants just weren't working as they had been promised. And we tease from this passage that God intends to go about this new covenant in a different way than the past covenants that had been made with the people of Israel. We see in verse 31 that this covenant made for the house of Israel and Judah And we read in God's desire to be in relationship with God's people, no matter where they are. And verse 32 invites us to encounter how this covenant will be different from those others. Where we read, it will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand out of the land of Israel, a covenant they broke. It is no secret that the manner of covenant that God makes with the Israelites is broken over and over and over again. We read it through the narratives of the Hebrew Scriptures. In fact, we have a good example of the Israelites breaking God's covenant. Right last week, in the Scripture passage, we read about the snakes. However, here in Jeremiah, we see the prophet testify that God is going to change this nature of covenant knowing that these old covenants, they served a purpose, but they did not have the desire to impact that God sought from them. It is here that we recognize the nature in which that ordered covenant that God claimed through Moses were not used in a manner that God was calling the Israelites toward. Rather than upholding the relationship between God and humanity, Israelites abused their relationship with God. And like God's desire to go about covenantal living, and this led to God's desire to go about this covenantal living in a new way. And so as we read the closing verses in the passage today, and we hear that God will put the law within them, write it on their hearts, I will be their God and they shall be my people. What a contrary understanding of covenant than the ones we've looked at before. Not that the covenants we looked at before do not in their own right invite us to consider God's nature, but in this covenant, God is saying that he will be embedded within us. This is very contrary to the way in which God presents covenant in any of the other ones. God does not have a set of rules or markers for what will dictate the terms of this covenant, no. God says this will be a new covenant in which I am there. I am within each and every one of them, and I will always be there. Essentially, God is saying that rather than stone tablets, the nature of God will be embedded upon our hearts. The nature of who God calls us to be will be right there within each and every one of us. That is that God will bring forth the image of God that is already existent within each and every one of us from our manner of creation. And God promises to do more than has been done in the past. And to do it in a way that truly invites us to know God. Not just to know about God. As we follow this line of interpretation, we see that God is spelling out this personal relationship. You see, it doesn't involve a temple. It doesn't involve the art of the covenant as we saw before exile. But it just involves God and humanity. For us, it may not seem like a major shift, but when we consider the narrative of Scripture, this is a huge shift in humanity's relationship with God. And especially up to this point in the biblical narrative if you wanted to encounter god you had to go to the temple and rely on priests to deliver whatever message or offering you had to give to god for the israelites hearing this narrative from jeremiah they could be encouraged that the spirit of the lord was at work within them no longer were they bound to those physical natures yes those physical natures played a role in their faith in fact The Israelites, when they return to Israel, will rebuild the temple and it will be destroyed again by the Romans. They continue to find ways and places to encounter and to know God. But the God through Jeremiah, God through Jeremiah here, is encouraging that their faith should take a more spiritual path forward. This will be a new dynamic of relationship for the Israelites. One that, yes, it embodies the covenants before it, because we think of the lessons that were learned through those promises, but it is experienced and lived in a whole new way. This is the covenantal relationship that many of us are familiar with in our Christian faith, especially when we examine this nature of covenants through Jesus Christ. And scriptures, like I said earlier, like this one, often point us to Jesus. They are Old Testament scriptures that we interpret as God's promise to send, not only send Jesus, but that Jesus will make a new covenant by which we can live and exist in relationship with God and humans. And the covenant before us in this passage, or at least the nature of covenant, points us to this. It points us to this deeply embedded relationship with God. Namely, that God promises to always be with us. And in an observance of this text, there are no rules, but rather just God's Spirit guiding, shepherding, showing, and inviting us. Rather than the law or word being written on stone tablets, it will be written directly on our hearts will be within us and we will carry it wherever we go. We will carry God wherever we go. What a deep, deep sense of spirituality we get from it. As we not only grow and mature in our relationship with God, but as we live it out as well. It doesn't negate our need for spiritual disciplines, but it livens them up. Because those are the ways in which we connect with God. Jeremiah's promise here is for people who feel utterly lost and empty and exiled. Consider what we talked about last week, turning to God and suffering. Now consider what you see from God as you return and what it means to keep God with you Always. You see, when we ourselves return from a period in our lives of pain and suffering, we approach God. We renew our relationship with God. And coming out of suffering and into healing means that we look towards God to be with us in similar situations in the future. God's law, God's nature, God's being within us, that we may never forget that we are named, claimed, Loved and given new life by the nature of God that resides within us. What a deep, deep spiritual understanding of God's embedded nature in our lives as Christians. And here's the important part because God does not desire for this to be transactional, God desires for this covenant to be relational. That we would uphold our end of the relationship. And that God will always be there. If we are to live an embedded faith, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus for what it means to be in relationship with God. To follow that understanding of loving God and loving neighbor. To being a part of the community and the body of Christ. not just here in Driver, but all across the world. Our manner of upholding this embedded covenant within us You know, it seems so simple, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes we often struggle with it. But it is to allow the nature of God to permeate within us, to teach us and show us what true love and grace can look like. We do this when we encounter the nature of God in Scripture. We do this when we encounter the nature of God in prayer. We do this when we encounter the nature of God in worship, in study, in mission, in giving, the more we engage with God, the more embedded that God becomes a part of our lives. If we fail as Christians to know God, how then can we ever accept the responsibility to live as God's disciples in the world? We cannot approach this new covenant understanding if we are not first willing to establish that relationship with God. We cannot approach Holy Week without knowing that God is there. This is why I love that first line in our baptismal covenants. The first thing that I say when we enter the liturgy of baptism, brothers and sisters in Christ through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without a price. You see, before we ever get to the part of making a covenant, before we ever get to the part of scooping the water onto the person's head or dunking them, depending on your desired way of baptism, of being baptized, we encounter God. We name what is deep within this sacrament. And this is what God is promising through Jeremiah, that there will be a new covenant, and that, that covenant will be so much a part of our lives that we will know God. We will not have to be told who God is. Because we will have a personal experience of who God is. And that, that will lead us to grow deeper and mature in our faith. As we continue to explore how we know God. This is why in community I, I do not tell you who God is. I do not tell you who God is calling you to be. This is why I say that I will walk alongside of you and help you discover that. I will help reveal the nature of God as known in Scripture. I will help to illuminate what we learn about God through tradition. I will help unpack how you experience God in your day-to-day. And I will help affirm your understanding of Christian reasoning as you unpack much much as I did, and continue to do what it means to know God. If we cannot do these things, if we try to turn God into a one-size-fits-all understanding, then we have limited, through our own humanity, the true ways that God desires to be in covenantal relationship with each and every person across creation. And so I ask you, What is your experience of God? And how does that lead you to share that experience, to share how you know God, so that others may have their own experiences as well? Amen. And in praying and seeking out those who can help us. Now, yes, we do our part to make sure and and discern and know and understand that God is leading us in the right direction. And so we pray for God to put the right resources in front of us, that our eyes are open so that we may experience the healing that is offered. Sometimes that's an easy process. Sometimes it's as easy as calling up my doctor and setting an appointment. And yet sometimes it is a little bit more difficult, especially when the pain is something we may want to hide from society. But we always must trust that God is working deeply in our lives. Just as God does for the Israelites here, God offers them a manner of healing. And in the same respect, when we turn our face to God through Jesus, God can offer healing in our lives. Sometimes it's a tough pill to swallow. Maybe physically and metaphorically, depending on what's, what's going on. Sometimes the wounds take a little bit of time to heal. Sometimes they take a long time to heal. Sometimes we must encounter God in the journey and trust who God places in our path to God.